0: This is Larry Bertrand. Welcome to another lesson in the Explore the Bible series. We're looking at 1 Thessalonians, session number five, scheduled for April third, 2022. We will discover that the gospel makes a difference in the way believers love and live. Key verse for this lesson is, 1 Thessalonians 4, 7, For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. So as we look at 1 Thessalonians 4, 1 through 12 this week, we'll note uh, there are some commands given by Paul in this passage. We'll also notice that chapter 4 marks a change in Paul's focus. He shifted from encouraging and affirming the church and began to write about their continual growth in Christ. We need to understand the importance of demonstrating Christ in our daily life. So what do you use the internet to search for? I'm constantly bringing up videos, how-to things, how to repair Something in the house, how to plant a certain plant, how to maintain a orchid, you know, all kinds of things. People look up uh, recipes for cooking, uh, exercise uh, videos, uh, art, all kinds of things. Even how to pronounce a word from time to time, I will use the internet to do that. So videos are a popular way to instruct because they they demonstrate how something is done. I read recently about a group of doctors in Quebec, Canada, who are providing training on life-saving procedures through video tutorials, and they're using this for medical personnel in Ukraine. In less than 24 hours, uh, doctors can demonstrate surgical and procedural skills uh, that help to deliver these, and they deliver these videos uh, to enable Ukrainian doctors who may need to provide emergency medicine and trauma care uh, which is outside their area of expertise. So notice that to provide an effective and helpful instruction, it requires the ability to to model and teach, do as I say, uh, and do as I do. Uh, Today's session will focus on a lifestyle demonstration from the consistent behavior of believers who successfully do both. Say and do the right things. Looking at the background of today's lesson, kind of going back uh, for, to last week and before. Uh, whenever he traveled, Paul left an indelible impression on the people. People either <laughs> they either embraced him or they rejected him. Of course, we we already know he was he was run out of. Philippi, and he's run out of Thessalonica. Uh, You wonder, uh, maybe he needs to change his approach, but Thessalonica had not been an exception. After experiencing persecution uh, in Philippi, uh, he went to Thessalonica where he faced more of the same persecution. While Paul's opponents made life difficult for him, they could not squelch the message of the gospel A number of Jews and God-fearing Greeks accepted Christ as their Messiah in Thessalonica. Many Gentiles stopped serving idols and surrendered their hearts to Christ. The result was a growing Thessalonican congregation that was making a difference in Macedonia and nearby Achaia and the rest of the Roman Empire. Wanting more information about the church's well-being, Paul sent Timothy back to Thessalonica. We saw that in last week's study. So first, Paul's young friend would, would disciple Thessalonians more thoroughly in the ways of Christ when he went. Second, he would report back to Paul the state of Thessalonian believers. And once Timothy returned, Paul was thrilled <laughs> By the good report. Despite ongoing persecution, the Thessalonians refused to back down from their faith. Opposition only encouraged them uh, to learn more deeply or to lean more deeply into Christ. Their faithfulness provided a surge of appreciation and confidence in Paul. So in chapter four, Paul began a transition towards more practical matters, he challenged the Thessalonians uh, to let their relationship with Christ define their lives. He urged them to give Christ the freedom to impact their actions and their attitudes, their words, their relationships. Later in the letter, Paul would focus on the second coming of Christ. We'll we'll see that uh, in another lesson. But in the meantime, he instructed the Thessalonians to live out their faith in the present by growing where God had planted them. So how does the way a person lives impact your willingness to listen to that person? Obviously, when a person is living a successful, exciting life, you want to model after that life. So today's study uh, focuses on 1 Thessalonians 4 and makes a as I mentioned earlier, makes a change in Paul's letter to the church. He he had been focused on encouraging the church through uh, extremely difficult times, persecution and trials. He now begins to speak to them about their continued growth in Christ and considering his pending return. So as we look at the first section of Scripture, 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 1 and 2, I want you to listen for how Paul positioned his request to the Thessalonians. Verse one, as for other matters, brothers and sisters, we instructed you how to live in order to please God as in fact you are living. Now we ask you and urge you in the Lord Jesus to do this more and more for you know but instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. So circle the words ask and encourage, if you don't mind, in your scripture. And let me point out that Paul did not ask the Thessalonian believers to do something that he and Silas and Timothy were not striving to do uh, and to live out in their daily life. Uh, Consider under verses 1 and 2, two a twofold instruction Paul mentioned. He, he wanted to ask them to do some things, and he wanted to encourage them. So as we look at verse 1, we see that word, live. It's one of Paul's favorite words to describe the Christian life. We are to live the life. So 32 times, 32 times Paul uses that expression, live. Uh, and so he said, not only live, but live in order to please God. The, the, the notion of pleasing God as the goal of human conduct stresses, uh, stems from Old Testament passages. We see that in Numbers and 1 Kings, Job 34, Psalm 19, verse 14 says, May these words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight. Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Proverbs 15, 26, the Lord detests the thoughts of the wicked, but gracious words are pure in his sight. So another Paul's favorite terms, it's, it's another of Paul's favorite terms for right behavior. And so we see in 2 Corinthians 5, 9, so we make, we make it our goal to do what? to please him, whether we are at home or in the body or away from it. So Paul deals with that in Galatians 1.10, Ephesians six six. These are often he talks about our goal is to please God. And so we see another phrase, as in fact, Paul says, you are doing. So you you are working to please God. Do it more and more, he says, although the Thessalonians have made progress in living a God-pleasing Christian life Paul desires even further growth. It's, it's not like you're not doing a good job, Keep uh, do, do it better, but you're, you're doing a good job, just keep it up. So we ask you and urge you, is another phrase Paul uses in this passage. Paul resorts, it's really a, a, a command, His, he, he he urges them, he commands his readers, uh, it, making it look as though it's a serious thing that, re, that requires their behavior. So in 2 Thessalonians 3, 6, the second letter he writes, he says, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we command you brothers and sisters to keep away from every believer who is idle and disruptive and does not live according to the teaching you receive from us. So normally he employs softer, more user-friendly language uh, of asking or urging, uh, but here it's, it's really a command. So that even then, as here, he speaks in the authoritative manner. He says, I, I urge you. In the Lord Jesus Christ, it indicates his appeal must be obeyed. It's, I'm asking you in the name of Jesus to do these things. So verse 2, we see the word instruction, something, and this again is something one must obey. We must obey these instructions. This word was used for military commands or orders. Uh, that c- civil magistrates issued. So h- these are instructions or orders uh, that he gives them. I want you to maybe uh, look at different translations and see um, uh, he has an intimate and personal knowledge of something that is being studied. So he's he's talking about something that is part of, of his life. So believers in Thessalonica were... Uh, intimately acquainted with God's commands and had decided to live out these commands no matter how difficult or trying the circumstances might have been. So like the Thessalonian believers, our knowledge of God's commands needs to be at the heart level, deep within our heart, not at the head level. So our knowledge must come from deep within our heart, our spirit, not the, not the head. It needs to be a natural part of who we are uh, and how we live our daily life. So as followers of Jesus, we should want to know and follow God's will for our lives. Our, our, God's desires for us to, to grow in our relationship with him is very strong. So we look at that word holy that's emphasized in verses verses three through eight of chapter four. Uh, They're words that explain sanctification. So verse three, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust, like the pagans, who do not know God. And that is, and that in this matter, no one should uh, should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister. The Lord will punish all those who commit such sins as. We told you and warned you before. And verse 7 says, For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being, but God. The very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. So... Reading uh, there's a definition of sanctification in your quarterly. Maybe you can look it up in a in a dictionary or Bible dictionary. Uh, it explains that it means to grow. Sanctif- sanctification means to grow in personal holiness. It's referring to a devotion to God. Sanctif- sanctification is achieved as we actively avoid the desires of the flesh and pursue personal holiness in our life. So our life, focusing on sanctification, bears witness to God. It affects our sexual morality. It affects our relationship. It affects the priorities of our life. So as I look at this section of scripture, I was looking at the study notes in the ESV Bible, and it highlights the phrase that you abstain from sexual immorality. So uh, for former pagans, which is who the Thessalonians were, the lure of sexual sin was strong. We can read all about that in 1 Corinthians 5 and 6, you know the Corinthian church had a real problem with that, and so by using the Greek term "porneia," which refers to adultery or fornication or other sexual immorality, it's where we get our word uh, uh, pornographic, uh, "pornographic." Or uh, Paul forbids any sexual activity outside the bounds of heterosexual marriage. Let me see it. Let me say that again because we live in a world that is very confused about this. Paul forbids any sexual activity outside the bounds of heterosexual marriage. So look at verse 4 and he talks about that in Ephesians 5:3 and 1 Peter 1:15 to 22 there's there's a lot of teaching that this is not a gray area. This is this is black and white. So in verse 4, Paul says he, he controls his own body. The Greek, uh, the Greek could be rendered here, uh, take a wife for himself. Uh, however, in verse, verses 4 and 5 and 1 Corinthians 7, uh, sexual self-control is really a more likely uh, intended meaning of controls his own body. Uh, he uh, he takes control of his sexual life. So, in holiness and honor, uh, behavior suitable to before God and humans, respectively. So, we should live lives that that are holy and that honor our God. So, verse five: in the passion of lust, like the Gentiles, Paul says, uh, Paul is concerned that some of the Thessalonian Christians might fall back into their former ways. Old habits die hard, but when the Holy Spirit comes in our life, we have a power that is greater than anything. So Paul says in, in Romans 8, verse 2, For the, for the law of the sin of death in Christ Jesus has set us free Uh, for the law of spiritual spirit of life in Christ Jesus says, set us free from the law of sin and death. So in verse six, we see that word wrong. It means to defraud. Do not wrong or defraud. Do not defraud or exploit or cheat uh, your fellow uh, Christians. Defrauding a fellow Christian uh, through sexual sin would obviously be a, a horrible thing to do. And, and then Paul says, the Lord is an avenger. Those who ignore the Christian sexual ethic will face the wrath of Jesus when he returns and perhaps even before. So in verse seven, we see the word called. When the Thessalonians embraced God's Paul's gospel, they responded to God's effectual call. That call did not have as its goal impurity, but rather, we are called to a life of holiness. So Paul is encouraging them to change their behavior, change their habit patterns, uh, start a, a fresh new life. And I, I love Celebrate Recovery, a ministry that we have here at Tallowood. It's in close to 30,000 churches around the world. Uh, but that the whole process is helping people deal with hurts, habits, and hang-ups. And the, the habits would be sexual or uh, any kind of addictive behaviors. And so Paul here to the Thessalonians is calling them to change their behavior. So in verse 8, he says, therefore, in other words, in view of verse 7, to reject Paul's teaching on sex is to reject not merely Paul— but who? To reject Paul and to reject God. Who is the source of Paul's sexual ethic? So the, you're rejecting God who sees his Holy Spirit in you. And Paul says, I, I know you have trusted Christ and the Holy Spirit is alive in your life. Uh, so in the, God promised that he would establish a new covenant in which the Holy Spirit would write the laws on people's hearts and cause them to obey. This new covenant reality, which has been inaugurated by Christ, makes sexual sin inexcusable. To reject the giver of the Holy Spirit is to cut oneself off from the sanctifying power that enables the Christian to be blameless in holiness at the second coming. So the Lord is an avenger of offenses. Believers also suffer consequences for sinful living. If believers choose to go against God's commands and hurt our brothers and sisters in Christ, we will experience God's discipline. He disciplines us. How? He disciplines out of love. And so as we prepare for this final section in chapter four, when we engage in in the daily process of sanctification, we are changed from the inside out. The way we love others is directly impacted in our life. So in verses 9 through 12, I want, as I read these, listen for specific ways to influence others daily. Paul writes, now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia, yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do so more and more and to make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should (laughs) mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you, so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anyone so identify the instructions paul gave the thessalonians here in these verses he instructed them to love each other to to make it their ambition to lead a quiet life not to be a, you know a rebeler, to mind your own business to work with your hands to win the respect of others by by being living that quiet and respectful life, you you win the respect of others, and they, and he says, I I want to encourage you not to be dependent on anybody. Remember, Paul himself was not dependent financially necessarily because he he continued to work his trade. He was a tent maker, and wherever he was, so so let's try to evaluate the extent to which their lives reflect these characteristics daily and 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 ask yourself help you ask god to help you identify any areas in which uh, you need to improve in your life and so uh, are you being independent are you receiving the respect of others uh, do you work hard and Do you mind your own business? Do you make it your ambition to lead a a quiet life? Do you love other people? It's a great checklist for us to consider. And so verse 12 explains that the outsider should be able to look at the life of a Christian and see an amazing difference. Christians are to be different in how we love one another and how we live our daily lives, believers are not dependent on any outs anyone outside of Christ, which applies to every aspect of their life. And so, how does a person's work ethic and the way he or she conducts business serve as a testimony for Christ? It, it ought to be a powerful testimony. So, in verses nine and ten. Uh, now, Paul turns to a positive instruction about the the need to strengthen or to increase their brotherly love. It's that word, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. And he says, I want you to have that brotherly love for for one another as God has instructed and uh, encouraged you to do. Their love, in fact, already extended beyond their church to Christians in other places, probably in giving hospitality and material help to others. Then looking at verse 11 and 12, some people in the church were taking advantage of this brotherly love (laughs) to live off charity without doing any work themselves. These uh, idlers may have been influenced by their belief that the second coming of Jesus was near and, you know, I don't need to worry. God's, God's gonna return real soon. His, his Jesus is gonna come back. And and so why would I invest myself in going to college or learning a trade or getting a job to support my family? So Paul instructs them to to make it a matter of honor to do these things, to avoid being busybodies, to look after their own affairs in responsible ways And to be prepared to do an honest day's work. This would prevent them from losing the respect of other people. Good advice that Paul gives us. Well, the applications are strong for us today. Salvation, number one, first application, salvation is lived out through seeking to please God. The second one is sanctification includes striving toward holiness in our sexual lives. And finally, third application non believers are impacted by the faithful lives of believers. Your life really does make a difference, should make a difference in other's lives. So praise God for the difference he makes in our lives and the way he uses others to be difference makers in our lives, and ask God to help us, to help you and me to live lives that increasingly please him. Don't you wanna do that? To be a person who pleases the Lord. Well, B.B. McKinney writes a great hymn, that we've sung hundreds of times. Let others see Jesus in you. Verse one says, while passing through this world of sin and others your life shall view, be clean and pure without within. Let others see Jesus in you. Let others, the chorus says, see Jesus in you. Let others see Jesus in you. Keep telling the story Be faithful and true. Let others see Jesus in you. And maybe another little more contemporary song comes back from the 70s and 80s. They'll know we are Christians by our love. I hope they do. I hope they know we are Christians by the way we treat others. Pray with me. Lord, thank you the relationship we have with you and the fact that you have called us to live sanctified, holy, pure, set-apart lives that make a difference in other people's lives. We pray that even today we will do just that. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.